In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to another bonus mini-sode of the Feelin' Film podcast. I'm your host, A.A. Ron, and joining me this week is special guest, Balaki Collier. That reference has nothing to do with our current episode, but honestly, I couldn't resist. Balaki is joining me today to talk about one of 2016's indie film hits, Hell or High Water, from director David McKenzie and writer Taylor Sheridan. Blake... Yeah, I know I'm saying it wrong. Thanks for, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being here, man. I'm excited that we uh, actually get to talk to each other on a show at all, and especially yeah. that we get to talk about this movie. Well, it's it, it's usually unusual for me to be talking about a movie like this because I my general sphere of influence is horror. So this is uh, this is exciting for me because I kind of get to go out outside of my bounds and uh, talk about something that's not. Uh, directly related to uh, horror or horror-related things. So I'm excited to, to be on the show. Great. Well, well, we'll definitely have to have you back for something true traditional horror as well because awesome. uh, my co-host, regular co-host Patrick, uh, is not a fan. And yeah. so I am, <laughs> and when I want to cover a good horror movie, I have to reach out uh, into the podcast world to find uh, people that actually care about those films. Well, and, and if I'm not mistaken, you and I are big, big fans of 10 Cloverfield Lane. So we are indeed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because this movie is giving it a run for its money. Um, I've, Oh yeah. 10 Cloverfield Lane up until, in fact, up until arrival was what I would consider my favorite film of the nice. year. And now arrival and hell or high water are, are mixing that up. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got these three at the top that are just <laughs> nice, really special. So we shall see how that shakes out. It's awesome. always fun into the end of the year lists are coming. Yes, they are. Well, you know, let's just get right into it. I, I want to start by saying you're from Texas, right? I am from, from the panhandle of Texas, Amarillo, so, Texas, Canyon, Texas. So, so this is in your wheelhouse. This is, a, this yes, is, is. familiar to you. They're very familiar, almost too familiar. <laughs> really, I you know I wondered that. Um, I'm from Arkansas originally, so it's you know I've I've got I've seen things like this similar, yes. similar to sh- but not not quite in the way uh, that you would go through this. Yeah, these these vistas and these sweeping shots of of the plains, I'm I'm familiar with. Yes, um, and it's just gorgeous. It's it's interesting because I think the film was actually shot in New Mexico. Mostly, mm-hmm. but it looks just like West Texas. <laughs> oh, it does, yeah. I mean, uh, the, there's there's southern parts of uh, New Mexico that look almost exactly like West Texas. So, and there's a lot of similarities between the personalities of uh, southern New Mexico and Panhandle slash West Texas people. So, it's a it's not a far stretch. So, like that's them filming in New Mexico, especially southern New Mexico, is not that big of a deal. Overall. Well, I want to ask you, I want to start by getting your initial impressions. Um, so what okay. do you think of the film overall as a whole? So this is, this is very easily vying for my favorite movie of the year. Now I say this just having seen edge of 17, which mm. I 
surprisingly loved as much as I did. And it will probably be in my top 10, probably top five. Um, I'm not sure it's going to overtake Hell or High Water, but it's it's in the running. Um, Interesting because it has Haley so, Steinfeld in it. Exactly. Who was yeah. in a True Western grit. with Jeff yeah. Bridges, who's in that's Hell right. or High Water. Had that's to right. <laughs> that's, a, that's some Kevin Bacon. Yep, <laughs> I was trying. Right there. Six <laughs> Degrees of Jeff Bridges. Or Six Degrees of Haley Steinfeld. There, there you go. There you go. So, yeah, it's a uh, – it's, Right now, it still stands in the first place. So it's it's my favorite movie of the year so far, um, which is surprising because, as we'll probably get into later on, I, I'm not a huge fan of Tyler Sheridan as a writer. So uh, the fact that he wrote this and he was able to kind of capture a lot of the West Texas slash panhandle mentality is is pretty impressive in my opinion. So. Yeah, we're gonna have to get into that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For <laughs> might sure. not be a that might be a slight point of contention. I so I <laughs> I actually agree. This is also in my uh, it's easily gonna be in my top ten of the year. I'm probably I'm confident it'll be in my top five, and it's vying for my top spot at this point. Yeah, I think you've only seen it once. Is that right? Yes. Oh, well, I've seen it twice. I oh, saw you, it two, you I, I saw it one day, and then I saw it the next day. Okay, so, so that's a that's big praise right there. Yeah, it is. Anything yeah. that can make you do that. So I seriously, saw... I've never I've never done that with another film. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay, so high praise from Blake. Hell or yeah. high water. It's worth two theater viewings, everybody. Two theater viewings. So <laughs> I went on a whim um, because it's interesting. We have talked offline about a director named Ty West recently. Yes, and so. my one of my favorite films of this year. I saw it at a festival in the spring by Ty West, and it's called In the Valley of Violence. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Most people haven't seen this movie. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's not out in wide release yet, or I don't know if it's ever coming out in wide release, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I love it. It is a very unique film. Um, Western blended with some horror and just some over-the-top character. Tarantino-esque. It's crazy. It's good stuff. So I thought that hell or high water was going to be similar to that wasn't really sure about what i was going to get into and i just randomly one afternoon decided yeah i'm gonna stop at the movie theater i got off work a couple hours early and i went to a matinee on like a wednesday or something at like three o'clock weird movie time for me it was me and everyone else in the theater was at least 60 years old so that was that was a really unique experience for me because i wasn't expecting the demographic that I got. Um, so I, I kind of had that in the, my head. It was, it was kind of weird. My first viewing, I really enjoyed it. I walked out of it, just shaking my head. Like I just didn't know what to do with this movie because it, it wasn't at all what I expected. And it wasn't until my second viewing that it really clicked for me. And I just have completely fallen in love with everything about it. It's yeah. the, when I really love a movie, I end up going out and looking up the interviews reading what the actors have to say about it, um, trying to find any commentary on the, by the director or the writer, just because I want to soak it all in. And I've done that with this one and it's been, it's been really fantastic. So good experience. Awesome. I, I'll say right now, as we, we get for, going, moving forward, uh, we will spoil the movie. So if you have not seen the movie, turn away now, come back after you've seen it. Um, plenty of time for that. I'm hoping that many of you listening right now are doing so because you just found out 
that Hell or High Water was nominated for Best Picture, and you're trying to catch up on movies, and so you're listening to podcasts after the fact. If nice. if there is any justice in the world, that is what is happening in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with setting, because okay. I think that's the biggest... I don't know if the biggest it's the thing we kind of touched on already that stands out about the movie is the setting um, and the atmosphere and just West Texas. Uh, You Mm -hmm. said it's very accurate uh, to what you've seen. How do you feel about the way that it's used in the film? I mean, it's almost like a person in my opinion. So I've, I've got a lot of friends who are, who are stellar and movie critics and, um, the reception has been kind of back and forth. So I've got, I've got some friends who love it just like I do. I've got some friends who are like, uh, they've, they've got issues with the writing. And, and if you look at the actual, like, you know, the, the actual script itself by Sheridan, I can see their critiques when it comes to the actual main characters and how they kind of relate to the to the landscape and how they relate to each other. There's there, I could see some problems there. Um, however, I think what sells this movie to me and, and what makes me feel like this is a movie that pretty much accentuates my people <laughs> or those I consider my people is uh, the fact that the background characters are so realistic. I mean, they are incredible. Like down to the people sitting in the cafe, the waitresses. These are all people I know in real life. Yep. These are people I've met. Like the sassy attitude, the like no nonsense BS, you know, it's just like it's all over the place and I mean even to the point of the guy who's who drives up and uh, talks to Jeff Bridges about the crime. He's like if I catch these guys, I'm going to hang them from my tree. You know, that is very much a West Texas sentiment that you would hear like, Oh yeah. This kind of lone man, lone gunman kind of mentality. And so that really rang true to me in a lot of ways. And, and it's, it's something that is maybe, I feel like I haven't always appreciated setting in films, uh, for a long time. I've just recently started to appreciate how setting plays into the film and this one just really nailed it for me on a whole lot of levels. And uh, it it kind of reminded me of home. So in that sense, like, I felt like to feel like you're at a home in a movie is pretty impressive. I agree. I agree. I think that that is a great sign that a director has done his homework and really loves the material. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I've watched some behind the scenes stuffs with him and his uh, producers, his his cinematographer, and uh, just the way that they went about trying to film this. They they talked about how when they first decided to do this, they just drove for hours, just soaking yeah. in the scenery and just looking at it, just taking it in, watching the sunset, watching the clouds move, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and thinking about where they could play with that um, to mm-hmm. get the best shots. That they could. I, I totally agree about the characters, the richness of the supporting characters. It's this whole film setting wise reminds you of no country for old men. It's yes. it's impossible not to think about that story wise. It's got 
some similarities in that you have, you know, what seems to be good characters doing a bad thing or making a bad choice and, and having to be chased by a Texas Ranger. But I don't really think that it goes much, much deeper than that on that connection. And the tone is, the tone is very, very different, Mm -hmm. but setting wise, it is very similar uh, to the point that one of the best scenes in this movie that captures it is that T-bone scene. That oh, T-bone yeah. scene in the <laughs> I I just I I am right there at that table uh with <laughs> with the Rangers uh with Marcus and Alberto and that waitress is like what don't you want? And and you know like you said I know these people from my my life growing up in Arkansas, yeah. southern southern Arkansas even like like that's that's exactly how things work. Now I live yeah. in Seattle now and that's not going to happen. No one's no. going to no one's going to act that way or say that. Um but that actress that plays that role actually has a very similar role in No Country for Old Men which I just watched the other night for comparison's sake. Um there's a se- couple scenes in a motel uh that Josh Brolin's character goes to and she she tells she's asking him she's like, "Well, what room do you want?" And and they have this whole thing, and it's the exact same actress. And I cannot believe that that's by mistake. Um, yeah. And I love that attention to detail about getting the setting and those characters right. And I, it yes. just – it truly does. It, it feels like West Texas is a character in this movie. Yeah. And so, it, so, it's amazing. So did you, did you feel like uh, – so which which film did you think nailed it the best? Like how, which one did you feel nailed it the best? Well <laughs> – <laughs> this is a scary thing for me because yeah, no country yeah. for old men overall I've had in my top 50 of all time for a while now. Oh yeah. It's a great film. Yeah. I truly believe that I like hell or high water better. And so that I, the ramifications yeah. of that to me are huge. Cause I don't normally just throw I mean, I, I love a lot of movies, but I don't normally like say, Oh, they're in my new top 50 movie. Like that's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it nailed it perfectly. And I yeah. think it's the story that resonates with me more than No Country for Old Men because in this one, you know, this is a this is so much gray. Like there's yeah. not nearly as much gray in um No Country for Old Men as there is in this. And this one, you know, this this is about brothers mm-hmm. uh, and a couple different sets of them and so I I think that this one nailed the setting though better. And probably yeah. probably yeah. partially because we get more of it. In No Country for Old Men there's some chasing going on. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot more here, I think, of just those quiet moments of rest and yeah. pause and just taking it in. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I don't think No Country for Old Men is trying to be necessarily accurate in setting and place and character. Because, I mean, Shigurth is kind of hyperhuman he's he's almost supernatural in in <laughs> yeah. the way he he's relentless so there's a different feel to it and, and i'm okay like no country for old men is a great film i love it to death and i think it nails a lot of elements of of west texas feel but i don't think it's aiming for the accuracy that the hell or high water is hell or hell or high water is aiming for a feeling uh, in the film, it's it's aiming to capture kind of a few days in the life of people in West Texas, yeah. and that means dealing with 
issues like poverty, like dealing with issues of desolation. When you live in a land where if you look into your horizon, you can see the back of your own head. I mean, it's like there's there's elements there that that are just only you can find in West Texas. Yeah. And, and so it's it's beautiful in its own way. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, there's gosh, there's there's so many examples of the greatness of it. They just I just wish mm-hmm. I could just run through the list of them. You know, <laughs> like oh, there's this yeah, and there's this. Sure. Like there's the there's the uh, the old te- the guy in the bank, right? Who yep who you know, puts his gun down and then he's like, you know, I'm gonna pick up this thing up and shoot at him. And then that you know you get that again later on. I mean, heck, half the town tries to kill him. Yeah, and goes exactly. after them. Yep. Um, and that's it. It's a great. That's why they call them a modern Western neo Western is because, you know, it's the same concept as, you know, these are your cowboys and outlaws yeah, and they're, they're going after the outlaws, <laughs> you know, they're going to lynch them <laughs> and they're going to get them. Uh, and they try to protect their own and mm-hmm. it's just so great depicted. Um, it is. So you mentioned, you know, some of that stuff there that it, it does hit on with the, the desolation and the poverty and, our story revolves around, you know, the two brothers. Clearly, they have grown up uh, with a very little um, in a domestic abuse society uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Foster's character of Tanner is a man. Oh, he blows me away. We'll get to characters later, but um, you know, he at one point mentions that his dad beat him, and he, he there's a there's a powerful scene where Toby is telling him about how his mom dies, and you know, he reacts by asking, you know, if it was peaceful and how did she, how did she, how did she do? And then at the end says, you know, effort, she didn't care about me anyway. Like he yeah. can't get past that history. And so we have that going on. Um, this, this, this poor white, um, family. And so here they are, they've been taken advantage of by the banks. And the only thing they can think of to get themselves out of this, uh, to save their family essentially is to get back at the bank by being able to pay off the loan and keep their land. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like this noble quest in so many ways. Um, and we've got issues of gun control that come yeah. up. The fact that in this old West Texas town, everybody's open and carrying. There's a great line uh, by, I think it's Toby where he specifically calls that out. He's like, everybody's just carrying a gun. You know, everybody's got a gun around here. This is terrible. Um, and it, and it feels a lot like, you know, our current state of affairs in America with Donald Trump taking over and wanting to Mm -hmm. quote unquote, make America great again to tackle these issues. Um, and we're not going to get into politics and who we agree with and don't agree with. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. What did you? What do you think about what the movie's trying to say, or what? Not, not necessarily even what it's trying to say, but the ideas that it wants us to think about. So, so I'm a little two sided on on this because I think it brings up a lot of issues that are not brought up in film very often, um, and so that for that I I applaud it. Um, I do agree with some of the critics that maybe they don't go far enough in their critique. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of commentary about um, the disenfranchisement of poor whites, um, basically dealing with you know how we, I mean, which is linked I think directly to 
maybe the election of Donald Trump, uh, among other things. Um, I think there's also pot shots taken at uh, Prosperity Gospel, which has been known pretty well known to be something that preys on the poor, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, and then there's that great speech by Alberto, uh, where he's drawing lines between the taking over the uh, of American land by white Europeans, and eventually it tra- traverses over to the banks being the same kind of imperialist uh, overtakers. Mm-hmm. And and so there's a lot of issues going on. Now, do I think that he's strong on any single issue? No. And I think that may be an issue with the film overall, mm-hmm. is that maybe if he'd concentrated on either, you know, the, the situation of, of poor white folk or dealing with how banks kind of traverse uh, boundaries of, of morality or ethics to take land and to unrightly take the land of people who own it. I think it, the film probably would have been even better overall. Mm-hmm. But I think the simple fact that he brought these concerns up in his script is pretty impressive overall. Because I don't think these are things that get brought up very often in film, period. And so the fact that he's willing to touch on them and make some of them pretty key kind of sideline plot points is is uh commendable yeah yeah i would agree i i actually i actually love it for that honestly um i Uh think for me at least that Mm -hmm. not focusing in on one thing feels more honest because it's this it just puts us in this world where all these things exist and you know, there's not an answer for all of them. And we, it's kind of like real life. We don't necessarily go about our lives thinking about one of these things all the time. They do. We just, we, we, we flow in and out of these situations. Um, I, I love that. I love though, that everybody knows there's a problem yeah. with what's going on here. Everybody. So the brothers are, know there's a problem with the way the banks and, and, and really I think at the heart of this, it's all about land. Like they even say that in the commentaries, they talk very much about how, they, they set this entire film around the concept and the idea of the land, um, both the way they filmed it and then the story and, you know, the way the banks are taking it from people and praying this predatory lending, mm-hmm. you know, the brothers know there's a problem. Like you've mentioned the scene with the Rangers and Alberto's like point at the bank, like they're the ones they're doing it to, you know, right now. <laughs> um, the cafe goers, there's the, the yeah. guys in the cafe after the robbery. You know, they're where the Rangers struggling. come out and they're just laughing at them. Like, you know, they've been doing that. Them boys just robbed that bank, but that bank been robbing us for 30 years. You know, why <laughs> yeah, are we exactly. we're fine by us? <laughs> um, and then even the loan officer, you know, he, he, they go and they have this, this loan officer that ends up backing him up and he's, and they ask him, they say, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? And he says, because I don't like what they did to your mama. So everybody mm-hmm. acknowledges this problem and it's like, how do you fix it? <laughs> yeah, but, and, and no one's willing to fix it. That's yeah. the problem. No one with that, the power to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it gives you it gives us this great connecting point to the characters, the brothers, I think, because you know, at, at no time it's it's amazing how they walk the line between noble 
and almost evil. Yeah. Because I never once fully felt sympathetic to them. I always had that in the back of my mind that there could be a different way. Or maybe yeah. it's just the hand you're dealt. Yeah. You don't have to go this far. But at the same time, I, you know, I, I did feel for them. And gosh, Ben Foster's character of Tanner outlines this so perfectly because, you know, if you're not paying attention to this movie and you watch it just kind of casually, you sit there and you're like, oh, yeah, this guy just ends up being a villain and a crazy guy in the end anyway. No, no, we knew this was coming. This was written in early on. Yeah. And that actually might be one of my only beefs with the film is I think they did tip their hand a little bit. Tyler did with uh, what Tanner's fate was going to be because he has a couple lines early in the film that allude to this idea of, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm going mm-hmm. down at the end of this. Um, but you know, his character is so well-written. There's a moment where Toby wakes him up. He's been, he's been asleep and Tanner just you know, freaks out like ready to fight. And it, it so expertly shows you in that moment what that guy's what that guy is uh, at his core. You know what he's gone through in prison and what he went through with his father beating him. You know all he knows is violence. That's the only reaction he knows is to fight. So of course it's going to end with him going out with a fight, and, course, and you know, and yeah. him sitting up there on the rock, getting joy out of it, saying "Lord of the Plains," right? Because he's he's <laughs> yeah. he, that's all he knows. And that's so tragic yeah. um, to me. I don't know. I I guess we're talking about characters now, but but I, I just love all of the characters. I love the richness of them. Yeah. I think they're very unique, and, and Jeff Bridges. Uh... Well, and see, I don't know what this says about me, but I actually found myself in complete uh, commiseration with the brothers throughout the film. Like... I know what they were doing was wrong, but I actually, I've seen like elements of the same issues and the same systemic elements that are going on in my own life and in the life of others. I know that I feel their pain. Like mm-hmm. I feel the, the harshness of whenever you're being foreclosed on and it's, not always because of what you are are not able to do. It's it's there's outside factors going on, and so like I got it. Like I actually found myself maybe rooting a little bit too hard for them <laughs> at times, and so uh, it's 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 a weird thing because, like I said, I'm. You know, I try, you know, there, there's elements like you're trying to be moral in your life, but how does one be moral in an immoral world? And that's like, I feel like that's the hard part about this movie is that it's, you can't blame them, but you can. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, that's like, that's, that's life in general. So, Yeah. It's it's very hard to blame them when it's not a selfish concern. Like when you're exactly. there's no selfishness in what they're doing. It's it's yeah. it's entirely Robin Hood esque. You know, it's it's yeah. to t- and it's to take care of their own. 
Yeah. And uh, I think that's also one of the reasons why it's so great that, you know, he, you had to write it. He had to write in the scene between Toby and his son. Like we had mm-hmm. to see that moment. Um, awesomely written just to, to give us a glimpse of what he's fighting for. Yeah. Um, and also to put us in Toby's head, kind of like we get to see Tanner in many ways, probably more often even. Um, but to see that processing where Toby's having that conversation with his son and over the beer and, and he's telling him, he's like, I know I'm wrong. Don't be me. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of a very sad irony there where like he knows he's making a poor choice, <laughs> yeah. but he's at the same time telling his son, don't do this. Just don't, you know, he, he says, don't he, it, it's, it's very powerful. It, it almost makes me tear up when his son says, don't worry, dad, you know, I won't believe in a word of it. And he yeah. says, no, you believe every word of it. Yeah. I did it all. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. how could I, could I ever <laughs> be that own, honest with my own child? Like yeah, that's exactly. hard. That's a hard moment. Um, when it's, it, it's, it's easier to say that, you know, it's most, most people concern themselves with saying that, uh, I mean, do you, uh, man, it's, do you take, do you take uh, ownership of, of what you do and, and make it good? And like, do you, do you make like the ends justify the means or do you make the means justify the ends? Mm. And so like, there's no right answer in that because both are wrong. I mean, both within the human construct of reality are wrong. I mean, the end ultimately may be good, kind of, (laughs) but it's not going to solve all their son's problems. They may lose their dad. Their their dad may be killed in the process. And how's that actually going to suit them? I mean, you know, so there's elements there that, like, you have to deal with the hardness of the situation. And as the older I've gotten, the more I realize that, you know, the hard part about living in a broken world is sometimes there's not a right answer. Yeah. And that's tough. It it is. So <laughs> it's what makes, you know, it, it's a, and this movie deals with it, I think in a great yeah. way because it, you know, we get another one, another scene that speaks to how you handle that to me is Toby leaving the tip to the waitress yeah. mm-hmm. and it, it serves also, you know, as a device of showing us just how hard it is. You know, she, she tells the ranger basically get out of here. No, I'm not giving this back yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. Like I got to pay my rent. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about my yeah. mortgage. Yeah. And it's, you know, that caring for each other aspect. Like that's all we can do. Really. Yeah. That's the most we can do is a simple, simple idea of love each other. Um, mm-hmm. be unselfish, give of ourselves, put other people first. Yeah. Um, is probably the only way we can truly combat that on a day to day level. Exactly. So, the movie is really kind of about these two sets, right? We have the brothers and then we have another set of brothers from another mothers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I love that. I mean, everything about these relationships are amazing and the way they're filmed, we get separate scenes where both of them are sitting together in these wide shots. We get the brothers on a porch and we get the Rangers at the outside the bank. there, you know, staking it out. And they're having conversations and they're just, there's no sound in the background. 
it's silent. It's just mm-hmm. West Texas. It's a, a windmill squeaking or a pump yep. in the background mm-hmm. or crickets. Um, and I love that we are able to do that. But we we really see these two relationships of these people that these men do not know how to express their love and affection for each other. The brothers, well, the Rangers, you know, it, it kind of comes out in this insult game where, mm-hmm. you know, Ranger Marcus here is, he cannot stop making fun of Alberto. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's that moment in the, the hotel that kind of seals it all up where he's making fun of him about soccer and Alberto's almost like Alberto's like, I've had enough. He just turns over, puts his back to him. And you kind of see in that moment, Marcus going, yeah, maybe, maybe I've gone, you know, I need to stop for a little while, but that's how he shows his affection. Right. Uh And then the best scene in the movie to me is the brothers parting ways where Tanner drops Toby off at the car and and the way this scene is constructed is it is just brilliant. Um, Tanner is keeps sunglasses on the whole the whole scene, and Toby just kind of very quietly asks him, he's like, "Where are you going?" And Tanner looks down and looks away. This is important. He looks away and down from Toby, mm-hmm. and he says, "I love you, little brother." And then Toby, who's been staring right at him the whole time, looks at the ground and says, I love you too, and then looks back up. And then while staring directly at each other, the next words out of their mouths are, go F yourself and go F yourself (laughs) too. And it captures everything about their relationship. Yeah. Everything about it. Like they love each other. Tanner has already told Toby, you know, like, I'm doing this. There's another great line where he's Toby's like, why, why'd you agree to this? And he simply says, because you asked me to, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and, and that's, that's brotherly love. And it's men who don't know how to show it. And it's, it's beautiful and it's sad. Um, all at once. And I just, I'm amazed at how well he captured that. Well, and it's, it's great because, I mean, you look at the two different sets of of guys that we're dealing with here. So both of them have antagonism. Both of them have a lot of respect and love for each other. Uh, While the Rangers may be a little bit more hidden, ultimately, um, there's a very clear signal that Marcus truly cares for Alberto. And, And he says that in their hotel room. He says... You know, of all the things that you'll, when, when I'm gone, you'll miss is me giving you a hard time. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It's, it's so true because most of my deepest friendships are people that I trade insults with like no other. And those are the elements like you recognize there's care in those moments. And, and it's weird because it's counterintuitive. You're insulting each other, but there's a, there's a care and there's a love that that's shown through that, and it's it's something that men typically do, um, and and it's just beautiful in, in its own way, and and I think that's that's showcased in both relationships, and I think the fact that 
at the by the end of the movie, Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine are left alive while their brothers are dead. Mm-hmm. It's pretty telling. It really is. It so, really is. <laughs> I mean, it's a phenomenal ending to me. It's it's oh, yeah, so it quiet and it's so. Um, I, I I listen one of the interviews with Chris Pine. He he described it. He said it's so cowboy. It's yeah, not it mean and it's not angry. It's two men who are tired and who both understand that there is never going to be peace yeah. and that the only possible outcome is to live with it or for one of them to kill the other and then have to live with that. Yeah. And that's what that whole thing is all about and why we get those great ending lines that, that will always stick with me of just, you know, Jeff Bridges saying, or, you know, Toby saying to Jeff Bridges, he's like, you know, come, come see me sometime, you know, maybe I'll give you peace. And, yeah. and Marshall responding, or, or not Marshall, I keep saying Marshall, but the ranger responding and saying, or maybe I'll give it to you. Yeah, and it's just, exactly. it's that 100% acknowledgement of each other. It's, it's like, they don't know whether to respect each other or hate each other. Yeah. They understand each other, but at the same time there, there's conflict. It's, it's so, ah, it's just so well done. I, and, and it's the writing. The writing is great. You wanted yeah. to mention it. So you don't like Sicario, but you did like I this. Don't. I did. Which is weird. It is weird because uh, Sicario is amazing. And... <laughs> so I, I don't mean to be intentionally uh, contentious here, but Sicario is my least favorite movie of last year. <laughs> um... <laughs> Holy! Hold the phone! We need to like tangent to a whole other podcast yeah. to do this. Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Uh, let me just say that I felt like I, I think ultimately what, what kind of brought me into this film a little bit more than Sicario. Uh, we can we can do another podcast on Sicario if you want to. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think what ultimately brought me into this film was the fact that it was very much kind of bought into this, this setting of West Texas. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I understood the characters a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the writing was a lot better than Sicario was. Um, I didn't think Sicario was like devoid of any value. I thought there was some good stuff going on there, but I just felt like maybe Hell or High Water for Tyler Sheridan was maybe the realization of what he was attempting to do in Sicario. I think that's a very, very valid point. um, So... I think there's there's a lot of good stuff going on in Hell and Hell or High Water that uh, maybe, which is weird because Sicario was very specific to a place, this border town, but it wasn't terribly specific. So there's a lot of border around Texas and New Mexico and Arizona, so forth, so on. And I didn't feel like they really grabbed any specific element of the border mm-hmm. because I think there's, there's different concerns at different points of the border. So I feel like with hell or high water, Sheridan really honed in on what it is specifically about West Texas that makes the story valuable and meaningful. And I think that's what sells this movie to me ultimately. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I can, I can totally see that. 
um, it does not not take away from my love of Sicario, which is very strong, For sure. yeah. very strong. <laughs> but um, I, I definitely think that this is the stronger written film. I mean, I I'm hoping for nominations aplenty for this movie. I I feel like it has value as as writing, as acting, supporting acting, or whatever the categories those fall into. You know, as well as best picture, and I'm hoping that it it takes some home. The yeah. couple other quick elements, just so we can touch on them. There's so much to talk about, but yeah. the the music to me is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I, I've been paying kind of like you mentioned with setting. I've been paying more and more attention to music uh, ever since I started podcasting. I didn't really do that before, mm-hmm. um, but now I really hone in on what's a good score and what's a good use of music. This uses, uh, let's see, it's it's a score by Nick. Cave and Warren Ellis, who are in a band called The Bad Seeds. Yes, they're amazing. They are amazing. I mean, it feels yeah. like I don't know. It feels like West Texas. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know how to explain it, but it's perfect. That's right. Um, and I found out that they had done the music for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which is yeah. another of my favorite movies, and awesome. has beautiful. It's just they do such a good job with this haunting and melancholy sound. And it yeah. it so perfectly fits the setting without manipulating the audience, and mm-hmm. as I mentioned, you know the absence of it is almost as powerful yeah. as the moments where we have it. For sure, it's yeah. uh, perfect. Yeah, Nick Cave is one of my favorite musicians of all time. So I'm a big Nick Cave and Bad Seeds fan. Uh, they just they just released an album this year that's amazing because Nick Cave's son died. Uh, oh man just recently and he wrote this whole album it's dealing with death and just the fragility of life and it's it's a tough record to listen to but it's really really amazing uh, to hear and i feel like nick cave and warren elser they've they've done a lot of work for john hillcoat which is another uh, director i really like uh, he's done movies like The Proposition and more recently Triple Nine, I think it was. I liked Triple Nine. It wasn't terrible. Um, I haven't seen it, so I haven't gotten to see it yet. So-so. Yeah. It's, 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 I've moments. it's not his best. Yeah. But Proposition is one of his greatest films. Mm. Um, and Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, they're, they're kind of like I compared them to Johnny Greenwood and uh, Anderson as far as musicians and directors combined, mm-hmm. I think they're in tune with kind of this desolation and isolation. And they're able to capture elements of a setting that few musicians are able to. Yeah. You can get sweeping scores within just about any right. composer you want. But... Cave and Ellis are able to kind of bring in a, a local flavor that few are able to. So I I remember hearing this. I actually listened to the score before I, listened, I actually saw the movie. Oh, wow. And so I was actually kind of, because it was Nick Cave. I was, I'm going to listen to anything Nick Cave puts out. So I listened to the score and I was like, this, ha- this is a movie I have to see because this, the score doesn't deserve to be on a bad movie. That's really cool. It just cool. doesn't. That's so, really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's a neat way to go about it. Yeah, it's exactly. And not following a normal path. <laughs> exactly. For sure. 
for sure. So uh, one other one other one that we wanted to talk about was, and we don't have to go into any depth here, but I just I just want to note how much I love this and part of the you know Key and Peele skit there at the beginning of this episode was <laughs> was meant to be um, celebrating the humor of Hell or High Water. Yeah, uh, this is one of the funniest films of the year. And that is. is bonkers. Like that is weird. <laughs> it should not be. But I feel that the humor is just expertly placed in this movie. And it is yeah. not again, just like the music. It's not manipulative and it's so natural. It's mm-hmm. very real for the characters as they're, as they are. And it doesn't, feel overly culturized to try and hit your buttons of like, Oh, that's, that's current. That's current humor. And and that's funny. Um, it's just so well done. I love it. Uh, I just, I love everything about it. I could just start sitting here and quoting everything, you know, up and down, up and down about the, the movie, but it was, it was wonderful. And the, the acting, like I said, I think it's worthy of nominations plenty oh easily yeah and and, you know humor wise i think the only film i've seen there's there's two films i've seen this year that maybe equal it in humor and that is the nice guys and uh edge of 17 oh great both i have not seen yet nice guys guys i have waiting for me yeah it's 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 if you you want to see ryan gosling stretch out his comedy muscle it's great He's he's superb in it. So, yeah, no, those those three those three films probably gave me more laughs than anything. And then maybe a second hand laugh was Central Intelligence. Oh, I love some, I love Central Intelligence. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. so dumb. I, yeah, it it, it, nothing is. special at all. But the chemistry between <laughs> The Rock and Kevin Hart yeah. is just everything in that. Exactly. But yeah, so yeah, this is it's 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 been amazing. I mean, I love it. I plan on rewatching it multiple times. I'm a huge Ben Foster fan anyway, and I feel like this has got to be his best performance. Um, it got to be crazy Ben Foster with out over the top crazy yeah, Ben Foster, which which he gets stereotyped into. He does a lot of times. So we get Captain Kirk completely mm-hmm. in a different role. Um, there's there's not a bad actor in this film. There's not. They're not. There's they're not. not. Period. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a really impressive piece of work. So, yeah, thank for you, sure. man. Thanks for coming on and yeah. talking about it. I, it's been a blast. Uh, I always feel like I could go on forever, but you know, people can't listen forever. So we're trying to yeah, be fa- right. trying to be nice here. But, <laughs> um, you know, support this one. If you didn't go see it in the theater, rent it somewhere. Throw some bucks its way because I don't make this pledge often. I don't do this, but truthfully indie cinema like this only gets made if we put our money toward it. Yep. Uh, they have to have a way. You know, I'm, I'm very passionate about this with Jeff Nichols films. <laughs> I'll, I'll go yes. see him two times in the theater Amen. because Amen. I want to see him be <laughs> able to make them. And uh, so, you know, if you love this movie, you know, rent it, <laughs> do, yeah. do something to, mm-hmm. to help it out just a little bit. So Blake, people want to continue this conversation with you. Obviously they can do it in the feel and film Facebook group. Uh, you can find that just by typing in Feelin' Film and searching for it, or there's a link on feelinfilm.com. Uh, they can find you there and talk to you there. You're very active. Where else on the web can they find you and your work? And what is your work? Uh, so they can find me on Twitter as Sacred Letdown, uh, all one word. 
Uh, they can also find me at Real World Theology, R-E-E-L. Uh, I have a column there every second and fourth Thursday about horror, and it can pretty much cover anything. There's really no uh, no holds barred. Um, so, but if you want to find all of my writing, depending on whether it's horror or life or music or whatever, you can find it at Blake I Collier C O L L I E R dot com, and you can uh, search out all my podcasts and blog and whatever you want to find there. That's great. I think you said that wrong. It's Balaki I Collier. Yeah, that's at- right. That's right. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Come on, AA, Ron. I know. <laughs> oh, man. I, I get that so much. Um, yeah, so now I'm losing my train of thought. Check out Blake's stuff. Uh, it's very good. His writing is incredible. Um, he's, he's definitely got a gift for that. We will have him back on at some point here before too awful long uh, for some sort of horror movie. Uh, we'll pick something and, and cover that, whether it's new or old, one way or the other. But give him a follow. Check him out. Uh, if you want to talk to me any more, you can find me anywhere online at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N, A-A-R-O-N. <laughs> now I can't stop. A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. And also all over the Feelin' Film Twitter, Feelin' Film Facebook pages as well. But thank you for listening. Uh, next week, we resume our regular schedule with our next main episode, and that will be another guest because my co-host is still out of the country on mission work, uh, and we are doing The Incredibles, so I'm excited about that one. Oh, awesome. Yeah, good good flick. So that's it for us for this one. Until next time, stay positive and keep feeling film.